Welcome to the Baby Project Podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Elise. Uh, This will be a weekly podcast about our journey becoming first-time parents. We're doing this for two reasons. First reason, of course, maybe our child somewhere down the line will want to listen to it and and hear our anxieties and our fears (laughs) and everything as we became first-time parents. But also, there are a lot of people out there going through the same thing that we are, and, and it's scary. It's intimidating. It's a lot of anxiety wrapped up into this and maybe if they listen to it they might hear something that they're experiencing and then know that they're not alone that there's a sense of camaraderie and it's some way of bonding strangers together should be fun So we're kind of starting this podcast formally, kind of late in the game. We did the first episode that hopefully you guys listened to that brought you to this one uh, three weeks ago or so. I feel like it's been a little longer. But yeah, yeah, that was a test episode because we didn't really know if people would be interested, but people seem to like it. So we're here at episode number two. Um, but with that being said, we're the pregnancy is moving along fairly swiftly. We're at week... 18. 18. See, I don't don't even know how far we are. Uh, It's going so fast. Um, So that puts us into the second trimester. Well into the second trimester. Well into the second trimester. So I figured we could take this episode to talk about things you experienced in the first trimester. Okay. Um, Do you have any any things right off the bat? Any big changes you noticed? During my first trimester, I noticed that I was... um, I, I was nauseous. Now, you know, again, I think just like we said in our first episode, every woman's pregnancy is different. Um, but I felt nauseous. I never had any vomiting. Um, and it was this awful, <clears throat> awful, vicious cycle where I would get hungry and my stomach would get really upset. And I knew that if I ate something, it would go away. But you know, you don't always want to eat something when your stomach is upset. So then it would just become this vicious cycle where I wouldn't eat, even though if I did eat, it would go away and it was not good. And there were certain foods that I just could not stomach, certain foods that I just did not want to eat. Um, We ate a lot of fast food during that time. Um, The other big thing that I experienced was fatigue. I didn't believe people. I mean, I kind of believed people when they said, yeah, you know, you're going to feel tired. Like, it's not a joke during the first trimester. I was falling asleep. Typically, I can stay up till like 9.30 or 10, like on normal nights, would you say? Something uh, like well, that? Well, it depends on if we're watching a movie or not. If if we're watching a movie, 9. If you're on your phone, 10 or 10.30. I feel that's an unfair assessment. Anyway, so, um, and I was falling asleep. I think I fell asleep as early one night as 7.30. And then typically it was like between 8 and 8.30 that I was falling asleep. So... Um, I was very tired and especially when I had moments when I was hungry, it was like, if I didn't eat right then and there, I mean, I just, I just felt extremely fatigued very, very quickly. Um, those are probably my, my major symptoms that I had, but I cannot complain because I know so many other women have a very, very rough first trimester. Typically the first trimester is the roughest. And I, those are the two, uh, no, I'm sorry. The third thing I also experienced was worsening in my acne around my mouth and on my chin. That was terrible. That has since subsided, so that's been nice. Um, But otherwise, I really can't complain because 
like I say, other women typically go through a different, you know, first trimester experience. And mine was pretty mild, I would say, compared to what I've heard. So we firmly established in the previous episode, this is my first child. I believe we did the same thing for you. child. (laughs) Um, So I didn't, you know, I, I, I have... A sister that has had two kids, but I've never really bothered to care and know what she went through during those gestations. And, you know, in preparation for this, I looked up a bunch of symptoms or things you'll experience in the first trimester. And it's a it's a lot. It It really is a lot. Um, lot. Increased urination. I knew that as the baby got bigger, obviously, it's where it's placed it's going to be pressing against your internal organs, creating space where it needs to, pushing things out of the way. So I know the running joke is a lot. Pregnant women, um, they pee a lot just because they don't have big bladders. But I didn't think that started until way later. Yeah, I also did not think that started till way later. So I want to say that that's a hormonal cause because you can't experience to increase urination. I don't think I really did. I mean, not really. I mean, I noticed typically I can sleep the entire night. Like I don't have problems sleeping. And during my first trimester, I did have to get up in the middle of the night or very, very early in the morning to pee. Like, I just could not wait. Um, And then I would have a difficult time getting back to sleep after that. So that was something that that happened. What about constipation? I did have some of that. However, as I previously mentioned, um, I was eating a lot of fast food for anybody who's thinking about becoming a mom. I highly recommend that you don't do that because that is not very good for the baby. But, um, I did eat a lot of fast food and I don't think I was getting near as much fiber as I was getting. I think, as I mentioned in the first episode, I was on a weight loss journey where I was watching how much carbs I was eating, how much fat and how much protein. And along with that, I would need to get 25 grams of fiber in because that's how much everybody should have on a very minimum every single day. And I was, Certainly not getting that. So I think that was more so due to my diet, but it very well may have been worsened by pregnancy for all I know. Okay. What what sort of, because we ate a lot of fast food. I put on sympathy weight. Um, You put on the the average uh, that you're supposed to, I'd imagine. Um, We cut out exercising entirely. I think that was for the best. Um, (laughs) I don't know if I agree. (laughs) What sort of foods did you, because, again, another stereotype, cravings. The woman, the pregnant lady will just have these weird cravings for things that she normally wouldn't eat or normally would find disgusting, or she likes two things, so she combines them together. Like, I remember um, uh, watching this show called uh, Cake Boss. Um, It's not a very good show. I I watched it rarely. (laughs) I'm trying to save face here. And... (laughs) Uh, but I remember there was a woman on the show who, do you know Cake Boss? Are you aware yeah. of Cake Boss? Okay, so it's a reality show for those not in the know. It yeah. was on the Learning Channel. It's kind of cool what they made every once in a while. All right. Um, but yeah, there was this lady who was pregnant, and there's an episode where she, they spent, just like, if I remember correctly, an obscene amount of time with her eating chocolate-covered pickles. So weird. But that's the stereotype, right? That, that is, women yeah. just have weird cravings. <clears throat> and yeah. I know that... Uh, when you first started experiencing the hormonal changes coming from the baby, you uh, kind of shunned like our normal foods, the tacos that we made, the turkey tacos that we had almost every week. You didn't want any part of. You had to struggle through turkey burgers. 
I did. Um, I would throw out ideas like lasagna, um, uh, meatloaf, and you'd be like, no, it just doesn't sound good. None of it did. What what sort of thing did you turn to or did you feel like was just mouth-watering just thinking about it? You know, when you were first asking me and loading up this question, I couldn't think of anything. But I suddenly realized I actually had, I feel like since this pregnancy, every time I eat mayonnaise, I have a very religious experience. It's, it's very, I've always liked mayonnaise, but like now it just tastes better. I don't crave it, but I feel like the taste of it is enhanced. It tastes very wonderful really? on sandwiches. Yes. What's different about it? I don't know. I don't know. It's just, the flavor is just, it just, it, it's very pitiful answer i realized but i did it just tastes better i don't know it's like i can just taste it but it tastes fattier i don't know that hmm. that sounds so gross is but it, it the, is i mean because it's made from egg whites <laughs> and oils and stuff it's an yeah. emulsion yeah so is it just the eggs like do you like eggs more no i didn't eat like a, an abundance of eggs during my my first trimester so no i don't think it was that i don't know i don't know what it was but i don't know if there was really any other food that i was craving per se i i don't think i went through a phase where i was craving a certain food and I had to have it. I think what I more went through was just as you mentioned, where I was shunning like our typical food that were normal staples for us. You know, you mentioned the turkey burgers, turkey tacos, meatloaf, lasagna, like just none, none of it, none of it sounded good at all. It, if anything, it just, it kind of made my my stomach upset even thinking about it. And it was like, it was only fast food. I mean, I think we got to a point where we were eating fast food probably six, five to six times a week. It was not good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it wasn't, it, it, that kind of, that kind of hits you, you know, you get, you come to yeah. a wall yeah. at a certain point. Um, but maybe, maybe the fatigue, maybe <laughs> the fatigue you're experiencing that you you've kind of grown out of the past couple of weeks. I think now yeah. that you've hit your second trimester, but um, in the beginning you were just tired all the time. You would work a full day, didn't want to come home and cook. And I'm not picking up the slack. That's not that's not me. I <laughs> I we alternate. Let's not fool everybody on this podcast, okay? I'm the good guy. All you're, right, you're a good man. Yeah. We alternate uh, <laughs> cooking dinners. Uh, you know, like example Mondays me, Tuesdays her, Wednesdays me, Thursdays her. Um, you know, on the days that she doesn't want to cook, it's her decision what we eat. That's we kind of do the no, kind of a no questions asked thing as long as we can both, as long as it's not something so far out there. Um, and that tends that tend to be that tended to be the days that we got fast food. Yes, it did. And then there it was did. days where I would come home, I would get stuff prepared, and then you would say, "I don't really feel like eating so Said and so." Food. Yeah. So yeah. then we would end up getting pizza usually because that chipotle well yeah chipotle delivers now too yeah, they had free nice. delivery for a while i know there. they did because of covid 19 that was pretty good yeah. one of the positives you know right. silver linings you gotta find silver linings <laughs> right um what sort of vitamins are you taking because i know that uh what what what's in a prenatal vitamin so a prenatal vitamin is composed of um lots of different vitamins different vitamins that help nourish the baby. So typically it's like an enhanced, it is supposed to be an enhanced multivitamin. However, when I was researching, um, I can't remember if we included this in the last episode, but I am a pharmacist. And when I was researching like 
the needed, the necessary amounts of certain vitamins. Um, I was looking at the prenatal vitamin that I was taking because I had started taking a prenatal vitamin while we were trying to conceive, um, which I totally recommend for anybody who's trying because of the folic acid in the prenatal vitamin. The folic acid helps with um, central nervous system development for the baby. And typically, by the time you find out that you are pregnant, the central nervous system has already started to develop. So um, if you're thinking about trying take a prenatal vitamin with folic acid. Anyway, so my initial, um, when I started taking the prenatal vitamin that I'm on right now, my big stress, my big goal was to take something with enough folic acid. I want to say there's 800 milligrams of folic acid in my prenatal vitamin, which is pretty good. Um, I think, I think it's either 400 or 800 without looking at the label. I'm not sure. But then once I got pregnant, I realized that my prenatal vitamin didn't have adequate amounts of other vitamins that I know I should be having for the baby. So I did some research online, like vitamin D, it had a pathetic amount of vitamin D in it. And like, you do need vitamin D for the baby and for yourself. Um, so I went and picked up a separate vitamin D and it's uh, 2000 units a day, um, which is a, a standard dose. Um, I started taking more, a little more iron. You don't want to take too much because it can constipate you, um, as well as other things, but I took more iron. I want to say I'm on 40 milligrams of iron right now. Um, because that's kind of how much you needed. You needed to make sure the baby was getting enough iron. Um, and then I also started taking fish oil because of the omega-3 fatty acids. And that helps with, um, brain development and central nervous development as well. And then I also took calcium. I supplemented calcium because if you do not get enough calcium during your pregnancy, um, the baby is going to ultimately take what it needs from you. So if it needs calcium, it will take calcium from your own bones. And a lot of times you hear about women who get osteoporosis from getting pregnant, or in other words, they get weaker bones because they were pregnant and they didn't have adequate calcium intake. I'm somebody who typically gets the standard 1000 milligrams of calcium in my normal diet, but they say, I believe the recommendations are is that you should be getting about 1600 milligrams of calcium in your diet when you're pregnant. So, um, I think also there's evidence to say that if you get 1600 milligrams of calcium, you could potentially put yourself at risk of kidney stones. So I, what I started doing was I started splitting a 600 milligram tablet of calcium in half. So I take 300 extra milligrams of calcium in addition to what I get in my diet so that it helps keep my bones okay, but it also gives the baby the calcium that it needs um, for its bone growth without having to, to rob me of my calcium in my bones. So I think those are all the supplements I'm taking and that's just above and beyond because of the research that I did. Um, you know, other women, I don't think my OBGYN was too concerned when I had told her I was taking all these supplements. She kind of just seemed like, okay, that's cool that you're taking that. I don't know if she would have, um, advocated that I take anything more than a prenatal vitamin. So I think it depends on your OBGYN, but it made me feel better that I was supplementing with some of those vitamins. So that's everything that I am taking vitamin wise. You know, I, I heard all that, sat here and listened to all that, and I, 
That doesn't seem worth it. <laughs> that is... That's a lot. I'm sure when the baby comes, you're going to feel a whole lot different. Well, obviously, I'm happy that we're having the baby. But, you know, like waking up early in the morning and then having to do that on top of the, the entire routine that you have, I would get frustrated. By just swallowing a couple pills? That's so much. <laughs> it, just, it just seemed like so much. I feel like it's not that bad, but okay. <laughs> so, yes. transition, hopefully it makes sense, mood swings. I, you know, I think that maybe you should be the one to comment here. I don't feel like my mood swings were all that bad. I don't feel like I had mood swings worse than what I already do. I didn't like find myself on the floor sobbing hysterically. I didn't find myself getting angry, more angry than how I typically get when I can't handle the stress of a situation. I feel like my mood swings were okay, but I don't know. Would would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I haven't. Yeah, I mean, you haven't flown off the handle at me for no reason. You haven't thrown stuff at me, which is a plus. So when they say mood swings, I would like the audience to know that it doesn't just mean anger. I feel like you're painting it like it just means anger. That's true. You, we haven't. Well, I haven't seen you with a sense of euphoria. <laughs> you haven't. You haven't <laughs> jumped out of bed saying this is going to be the best day of our lives. <laughs> I've um, also not been. Like, really sad or depressed, so that's good. Right? I don't know yeah, like I Yeah, I can't remember anything. I was you hesitated. To, well, I was trying to think. <laughs> um, but no, I can't remember. I, I, I mean, the, the only thing I can think of that would be somewhat in the, in the realm of mood swings is uh, <clears throat> the whole incident with Lily, where she pooped and you kind of threw her into the sink. I was very frustrated. No, I know. I know. I was very frustrated, but I feel like that was a normal frustration. Like, had she done that when I was not pregnant, I probably would have responded the same way. I'm not saying it's right. I'm <laughs> okay. just saying that I probably would have responded the same way. Okay. I'm not condoning pet abuse. Don't do it. Yeah. That's super. Animal abuse is wrong. It's extremely it's wrong. It's a federal felony now, which yeah. is good. Yeah. The part that I'm interested in discussing and kind of leading up to this part, uh. your breasts. <laughs> now we have, you have discovered some things about. We both have discovered some things about my breasts. Yeah, well, uh, one of the things is I, I knew the breasts were going to enlarge, the milk was going to come in, they were going to get bigger, and I was ready for that. I was actually anticipating that. <laughs> um, but they're very tender. And I, I didn't they think are. that was, I didn't think that was going to happen until the baby was almost out because at that point you're ready to pop <laughs> everywhere. Um, so what what sort of experiences have you had adjusting to? Because like I imagine <laughs> now I have breasts, but they're they're man breasts, they're fat breasts. Um, I did not develop them through hormones or anything like that. Right. Does does the tenderness you feel now? compare to the tenderness you felt when your breasts were first coming in? That's a good question. Um, I would have to say, no, it's worse. Um, I don't, I don't remember going through and you know, every girl is different when she goes through puberty, but I don't remember having a ton of breast pain. I really don't. I mean, I, I feel like I had it pretty easy in that, in that aspect. Um, I mean, I also don't have like these massive breasts. So maybe that was in my favor. Um, but 
I would say the tenderness I feel now um, is is worse than what I experienced during pregnant or um, excuse me uh, puberty. Um, they are definitely pretty tender. Like right now, as I sit, they're fine. But you know, if if they rub against something or if they're touched a certain way, like it just it does it it hurts a little bit. And it's not like a sh- a sharp pain necessarily. It's just this this dull pain, and it just they're sore. And I thought we read that it was supposed to go away when you got into the second trimester, but I think this particular problem is here to stay until this baby is done with the home inside me. So, well, I mean, you in our history together, uh, not to get too graphic, but you're, you, you've always had sort of like sensitive areolas and nipples. Um, but like it's compounded now. Like I can, I can barely touch them before you're like freaking out. I'm not freaking out. I just, I take a step back. It kind of makes me lose my breath a little bit because they're, they're more. You recoil. Yeah, there you go. I recoil. You recoil from my touch. (laughs) Not because I don't love you. (laughs) And now this, so that leads us to the final point Mm -hmm. of the changing bodies section of this, this episode. Yes. Darkening nipples. Yes. I was unaware until um, I watched this movie. Really good movie. I don't think you like it. Barry Monday. Yes. You don't you don't like I it? I liked it. You like I thought it? it was pretty good. I think it's funny. I yeah. really it's it's yeah. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. But anyways, the character one of the characters in the movie is pregnant. That's the central plot of the movie is the character's pregnant. And she goes to an OB visit and she talks about how her nipples are like black. <laughs> and I thought that was just a joke. Like they threw in there. But no, that's a thing that legitimately happens. That is a very real thing. So not to be weird, but when my sister was pregnant with her first child, she was telling me about the changes she was going through. And she goes, like, Elise, my nipples are brown. I'm like, okay, like, what do you mean? She's like, like, they're brown. I'm like, I don't, but like, how brown? And not to be gross, but like, she showed me one and it, they were extremely brown. I mean, they were they were very, very brown. And I want to say, when I had asked her why that happens, I don't know if this is true, um, but what she had said, and maybe what her OBGYN had said, is that it helps the baby to see it a little bit better. Because when babies are born, they can't see very well. Um, so it helps them to see it a little bit better. I guess there's also a certain smell to it as well, so that when you bring them to your chest, they can kind of sniff it out a little bit. Not to make him sound like a dog. I feel like that was kind of insensitive. I didn't mean it that way. But um, so, yeah, that was like, that's the whole reason is it's for the baby. But so, yes, my nipples have started turning brown. Um, but the great news for any of those women who are thinking about becoming pregnant and you're thinking, oh, my God, that's a huge deal breaker. They do not stay brown. Um, they will go away. That will go away once the baby is born, I think. One of um, my dear friends had said that it will start to go away, um, I think, a couple weeks, maybe a couple months after you have the baby. Um, But I think it's really just a something for the baby when the baby is first born. Um, So, yes, they have already started to turn brown, which is very alarming. I think when you said it, I was like, all right, so I'm not just seeing this in the mirror anymore. Like, it is truly happening. (laughs) So, yes. So now a segue into OB visits, the OBGYN. We have a very nice lady. Yes. um, As our OB. Yes. Not going to give her name out. She's very nice. Very sweet. I like Um, her a lot. What 
the first visit, and no, not counting the the one where we went to get like the information because we decided we were going to get pregnant, like we decided we were going to start trying. But the actual first visit, what week was that? I believe that was when I was in week eight. Week when eight. I was eight weeks along, very early. So due to the whole COVID, um, COVID nineteen uh, pandemic that's happening, I am not. I was not allowed into the hospital with her. Um, to get the first ultrasound, I had to, um, we used Facebook Messenger to video chat. Um, though in hindsight, we could have just used our phones. We both have Samsungs. So we could have just, we could just, uh, whatever video chatted through that, um, probably saved some data. Um, <laughs> we have unlimited data. I don't think we have to worry about it, but yeah, I guess. Yeah. Facebook's a bunch of monsters. Oh my God. Um, right. but anyways, uh, I will admit, you know, I'm a man. You know, whatever. <laughs> I got a little misty-eyed seeing the seeing the ultrasound for the first time. Don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's it was pretty cool on my end to see like the baby kind of shuffling around. Like it was still, it looked like Mew from Pokemon. It did. It, it looked kind of like an alien. Yeah, and so it, it didn't really have a whole lot, but it was wiggling, and you could see the heart, a little fuzzy thing. Pumping and pumping and pumping, and that was pretty. I thought pretty cool from on my end, but obviously, you know, you're the mom, you're carrying it. So, how did you feel seeing the 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 image of our child for the very first time? It was really really cool. I actually felt a little embarrassed at first. I thought the ultrasound technician was going to get a little upset with me because I was, I was, I was like. You know how when you feel a sense of shock and happiness at the same time, you kind of laugh? Like, not like an inappropriate laugh, but like you kind of like you're laughing in awe, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah. Hopefully. Um, I was laughing. I was, you know, I was kind of like, oh, my gosh, there it is. That's that's really our baby. Because you have to keep in mind up until this point, like, I had only had a positive pregnancy test. I wasn't getting any bigger. I mean, I wasn't. None of that was happening. It was way too early in the pregnancy for that to be happening. So, I mean, you know, I just had this positive pregnancy test and the absence of a period. That's how I knew that I was pregnant. But then to be able to see the baby on the ultrasound, I mean, it just brought a new level of reality to me. It was really, really cool. Um, I almost wanted to get another one the next day because I was just so excited to see that baby on the ultrasound for the first time. I mean, you could see it. As you said, it moved. The little arms were moving. Um, you could see the heartbeat. I could not hear the heartbeat because that required a more, um, I believe like a more invasive type of, um, ultrasound that they don't typically use early on. So we couldn't see it or I'm sorry, we couldn't hear it, but they could, we could see it. They did print off like an EKG of the heart. Um, so that was, that was really cool. And that was very exciting to see that. Um, because again, it just, it just brought this sense of reality, like, there it is. We really have a baby and it's really there and it's doing well and it looks great. And it was, it was really exciting. I was, I was very excited and very over the moon about it. And that was actually what we used to post on Facebook to tell everybody who we had not initially told. Um, we used that very first ultrasound to announce to everybody that we were pregnant. So it was, it was cool. I was very excited for that ultrasound. It was very neat. Yeah. That's when, uh, that's when it becomes real when it's, yeah, we, we finally accepted our fate, and we started having to plan oh my God, for the future. You're painting this like such a dark thing. Well, you know, I had a conversation with my friend 
Andrew earlier, he wanted to invite us to his parents' cabin on the lake, well, their house on the lake uh, down in Tennessee for the 4th of July holiday. And I told him that, you know, we would go if he gave us more time. And I said, next year, you know, we're going to have a kid. It's going to be a lot harder. And he said that, well, you know, I always like to do these spontaneous adventures. So I guess we won't be going on these anymore. I don't know if I would say that. I, and maybe that's naive. Maybe some of your parents are like laughing out loud when you hear me say that. I feel like there are ways that you can still take maybe not as many spontaneous adventures, but I feel like we can still take adventures and we have a number of grandparents. They want to spend time with this baby. So I feel like we're very fortunate in that sense that if we wanted to leave somewhere, as long as we're not doing it all the time and we're just basically letting our parents raise our child, I feel like we could do that. We still have that flexibility where we're now, mind you, we're in Indiana and they're in Ohio. So it's about hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes you know, one way to, you know, get to these parents. But I, I still feel like we will have some flexibility, maybe not as much, but we will still have some. So, I mean, I don't know. I but mean, we got our dogs. So, I mean, they're basically children anyways. Right. Like, the responsibilities we have with them. Right. They may be potty trained and they don't need a diaper, but most of the time. Well, no, I'm kidding. Lily, she's kind of getting yeah. to that point. She's debatable. Um, but anyway, uh, what, so first trimester ends at 13 weeks. What, uh, how big is the baby at the end of the 13 weeks? Like what, cause you, you have a tracker or is it like a website? So it's called what to expect, um, dot com. And they do have a week by week, um, for like, if you're this far along, this is how big your baby is. I don't remember how big, I think it was as big as a strawberry when I got out of the, first trimester wow, I want to really? say strawberry yeah. I think don't, you know again don't quote me on that it's been a while but now it's as big it's weird what they use it, they say it's as big as a cucumber which a cucumber is long and slender but I think they're trying to say it weighs about as much as a cucumber it's maybe right now long. in week 18 I believe so yeah okay because you know going through looking at like the development process of the fetus uh, it gets uh, skin at five week five does it oh okay. that's what it says um right. i thought it would be later because i figured it took more time to gestate everything to like digestive system is week eight so it develops hmm. this like when they say skin that's they're talking about the epidermis the outside right yeah yeah well i mean it, it kind of makes sense they can't really develop any other organs if there's not something to hold it together they have to be able to I have guess a, that's true. Yeah, because our cause... skin is our biggest organ and helps hold everything together. So that makes sense. Yeah, smart lady. <laughs> um, yeah, week nine to ten is the audible heartbeat. Yep. Yep. And when we had our other ultrasound, the elective one, we heard the heartbeat. Yes, that was pretty cool. That was pretty legit. Yes, it was. Um, About 150 beats a minute, which is normal, very normal. It's really, really cool. Whereas, like the normal human. Resting heartbeat, which I think is between like 60 and 80 beats a minute. And the baby's at like 150. It's really neat. Are there any sort of expectations? Just kind of wrap up this episode. Any expectations? Things you've experienced in the first trimester that are, you know, you ex- hope not to experience or you think uh, will inform your expectations for the second trimester? I don't think so. I think that um, the things that I hope don't come back would be things like the acne, the nausea. Um, I feel like at this point, 
I have been warned that the fatigue is going to come back in the second, in the, excuse me, the third trimester. And it's not because I'm necessarily drained. It's that I'm literally carrying so much more weight than what I am used to carrying. So it's literally just exhaustion from doing my day-to-day thing. Like I remember one coworker I had, um, she, she got very exhausted when she went up the stairs and she was not somebody who was in bad shape. She really wasn't, but I mean, she just had, I mean, a she just had a very big third trimester baby in her belly and it just it creates this weight that you have to carry around with you and it makes certain activities just harder to perform um so i'm anticipating the fatigue is going to come back based on what i've been warned about um and then i don't know the only other expectation i have is that everybody has told me that the second trimester is the best because you feel the best you're starting to grow you're starting to get this tiny little baby bump and then the third trimester you start to get to this feeling where you're like, okay, I'm done. Let's take this child. This child is done. Let's, you know, and I've already gotten to the point where I'm semi uncomfortable. Like normally, you know, you have a certain amount that you like suck it in, right? You suck in your stomach, not like you suck it in, but like there's a certain comfortable stance you have in your stomach where you don't let it totally loose. You just have this, right? You know what I'm talking about? Hopefully that makes sense to you that are those of you who are listening, but that is very much like, a battle for me now. I feel like I can't suck it in my normal amount because I do that. Eventually I'm going to run out of breath and I can't, I can't totally let it out because then my stomach feels like it's protruding. So it's like this battle. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know the happy medium, but that's, that's most of the expectations that I think I have at this point from what I experienced in my first trimester and what I've been told to expect in the coming months. I mean, I hope it's smooth sailing for me. This first trimester was pretty easy. Um, I hope it continues. I hope, you know, I'm probably going to pack on some sympathy weight, some more sympathy weight, but. Goodness. You know, I'm looking forward to the the pizzas. Oh, my goodness. And the cheeseburgers. Uh, and uh, taunting you by being able to drink alcohol. Thank you for that. I feel like such a, I feel like a supporting husband would taunt his wife for not being able to have alcohol. You make it sound like I have alcohol a lot. That's a different conversation. I do not have alcohol. A different podcast. (laughs) 